This podcast is a production of the Johns Hopkins University Press. To learn more, please visit press.jhu.edu slash journals. Thank you for tuning in to this Johns Hopkins University Press podcast. My name is Brian Shea, and I am the Public Relations and Advertising Manager in the Journals Division. Earlier this year, Studies in the Novel published a special issue commemorating the journal's 50th year of publishing. The issue reframed standout articles from the past five decades. Editor Nora Gilbert talked to us about the special moment in time and what we can still learn from novel studies. Thank you for joining me today, Nora. Tell me, what was it like putting the 50th anniversary issue together earlier this year? It was a really wonderful process. It was just so exciting to happen to be the editor right when we were hitting this big milestone and, you know, to have kind of the control of where we were going to go with the particular special issue. So uh, my idea from the start was that I really wanted it to be gathering together some of our best work from the past 50 years. And I really didn't want it to be me being the one deciding which articles would wind up in the journal because I wanted it to feel very collaborative. And I was thinking about who I should ask to be. I wanted people in 10 different subfields to kind of pick out something from their particular area. And I realized that we have this wonderful editorial board that I didn't know very well at the time because I was brand new to editing the journal. So I kind of got in touch with a whole bunch of people and they couldn't have been more lovely and open to the idea and excited about the idea. And so I had a couple of people who said no, and it usually had to do with things like that they felt their subfield wasn't as represented in the journal over the past 50 years. And I use that kind of as a point of uh, a jumping off point toward changing things in the past few years since I've been editing. And one of the people who said that, for example, is going to be editing a special issue in his subfield for us next year. But the point is, the people who said yes were all just wonderful and really excited to jump in and pick an article and to nominate it. And it was a very fun process to get to contact the 10 people, those of them that were still living, uh, to let them know that their articles were going to be reprinted. And they were just obviously very honored. And it was a great way to get people in conversation with people from the past and kind of thinking through how things from maybe 40 years ago are still relevant. And a few of them were, you know, just from a few years ago and saying that they they did such important work that they already belong in a retrospective issue like this. You know, you've talked about it a little bit, but yeah, it's really special for you to kind of have this moment to look back and pave a path forward. I know, exactly. I think that this was it was a relatively unique thing for uh, the editorial board members that I asked to do this. It was a unique assignment for them because, you know, in, in literary studies, we always are doing book reviews, right? Where if someone publishes a full monograph, there's a forum for people reviewing it and thinking through it and thinking how the interventions are helpful to the field. But we don't tend to do that at the article level, right? I mean, we cite articles and we'll, we'll, people are always referencing back to important articles from the past, but we don't tend to have people write like, you know, a short essay just describing what's so important about a given article from the past. So I think that all of the uh, scholars who got to do this found it really rewarding to think through it at the kind of smaller scale level. And, um, you know, I think that that's what's unique about this particular retrospective is that it really gets at what the article form does in addition to what the novel form does, uh, intellectually speaking. Yeah, this is the second journal of ours. Uh, CEA Critic was the other to do a retrospective where there's reprinting and, and looking back at older material. That is kind of fun to do it rather than just what has happened in the last 50 years or so. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think you want to you want to see the people introducing it. They're all about a thousand words or so, and then dive right into the article and get to like you know actually see it live again. You know, so that it, it feels like it's something that was printed in 1972 is now being printed in the contemporary journal, and it just it's different than looking back at an older journal. It just makes it feel like ah oh, yes, I see the connections. I see the relevance to what's going on today. You can get it on. Project Muse or JSTOR or something, but you don't get that extra flavor with the introduction. Yes, absolutely. And just putting it all together, I mean, I think it's just for people who we we, we so often have our subfields and we go off into them and we don't really think across, you know, outside of our little boxes that we're in. And so I think putting together, obviously, studies in the novel as a journal does that anyway, because every one of our issues goes all over the place. We're not, we have a specific genre, but other than that, we're a generalist journal. But I think that something like this going over, spanning time in this way and also spanning, you know, geography and and sub-genres within the the novel is a way of just thinking in a cross way that that really is unique and and will hopefully make people see see connections that they hadn't thought of before. How important is a journal like this to University of North Texas and the English department? I don't think people realize how many uh, journals are housed at schools like this that are really kind of a core part of a a department or a division. Oh, it's absolutely wonderful that we have this. And I, I will admit, I didn't know when I took my job that that's where Studies in the Novel was housed. And I was so delighted when I found out and even more delighted when I was kind of brought on first as book review editor and uh, transitioned up to associate editor and editor. But I think that for our university in particular, I mean, there are many universities that are like this where this is really um you know, one of the things that makes them stand out as a more research university, we are, as of a couple of years ago, we are now technically an R1 school, as all powers that be want me to emphasize, and that's <laughs> wonderful, and I, you know, we're glad to be moving up in the ranks, but the point is that this journal went through, what, 49 years, where it was at a non-R1 school, it was at a, probably what was the equivalent of an R2 school, and the fact that it could be so successful in making such important interventions in the field with not the kind of funding that you would get at, say, for example, our arch rival, I guess you could say, is Novel of Form on Fiction, which is it started at Brown University, is now at Duke. And, you know, that's it started two years before our journal, even though our journal, if you read the introduction, you'll see that we had, the people had come up with this idea a couple <laughs> years before Novel, and then we waited and stalled because of bureaucracy, and then we were the second journal in a row to be about focusing on the novel. But the point is that we you know, probably seemed at the time, like, how are we going to compete with that? We're just, at the time, North Texas State University, not with anywhere near the funding or the kind of prestige factor. But this journal is, is so well done, and the editors over the past five decades have done such an amazing job of shepherding in new and important voices. And I think it found its kind of audience and its own uh, kind of style and ideology, not, you know, many ideologies, but the overarching idea of what it wanted to do was unique and it and was able to stand the test of time in a way that, I mean, think about how hard it's been for libraries with budgets getting slashed all over the place and journals are having a hard time of it in many ways. And our journal has kind of kept going and going. And we're, we've had, since we partnered with John Todd Hopkins University Press a few years back, it's just been better and better, and we feel like we've been gaining in visibility and prestige as we've gone, and that's been something that I'm, I'm totally indebted to the five editors who came before me, and we're all just so hardworking and astute in what they put in the journal and the kinds of special issues that they brought together. So it's really been amazing to be in the position where I got to just look back on those 50 years. I, at the point where I was editing this journal, had just started. So I can't take credit for all the amazingness that I got to put in this (laughs) retrospective, but I got to, you know, be the one curating it. So it was lovely. 
Yeah, I, I love, and I've been here almost 11 years now, and where some of these journals are housed and the great staffs at these universities that aren't as well known. Mm-hmm. And some of the smaller schools who faculty are from who provide content to the journals, some of the authors, mm-hmm. it just amazes me how many great people there are in so many places. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, I, I didn't mean to imply by that that UNT is uh, an inferior place to be or to work, but it's more about the funding. I think the fact that being at a public university, we've been self-sustaining, just studies in the novel has for, for many years, but there was also, you know, it needed a certain amount of buying into. We have a managing editor, Tim Boswell, who's absolutely fabulous. And yes, he we is. need to have, you know, institutional support to maintain a, a full-time position like that. And you know, giving the kind of letting our faculty, me right now, but others in the past, to have had this be their their service, and it's important to value that. And I hope that a lot of public universities will see that there is a real benefit towards allowing your faculty to engage in this important intellectual work. And and I also will say, as a, the editor of this journal, I absolutely love my favorite thing in the world is accepting articles by junior scholars or scholars that are either independent scholars or they're like still on the job market, graduate students, scholars that lower-ranked universities and showing how amazing their work is and being a place that, that you don't have to already be some star in the field to publish here. But we're, when you look back, you can see how those works were the ones often that took off and did the most important kind of uh, interventions in the field. So right. I love doing that. What is there still to learn from the novel? I guess it's a big question. That is a big question. I mean, on the one hand, I mean, the novel, the form itself, it's kind of amazing that it's still doing as well as it is in light of all the different kind of narrative options there are out there now with the you know the film and tv and the internet and all these things and if you look back at the history of the novel i mean when it started in the late 17th going to 18th century and then certainly the victorian era which is my period it was the popular cultural you know phenomenon it was the thing that people turned to collectively in the places where it was where it was rising uh, as a form of expression where people were regular people could all engage with the novel and it told stories of more everyday life and so forth so it really connected with people early on but then you had these other uh, media forms that came on the scene and it could have killed the novel it could have been the onset of the 20th century that was it for the novel and it would kind of take a back seat and that's never really happened because I think that there's just something about the reading process and the long-form narrative process that really connects with us as humans. So the novel keeps obviously shifting in its, in its thematics and in its form and structure and all these things, but I feel like the novel is always going to reflect back on, I mean, I talk about in the introduction how it has this crazy name, the novel, which means the new, and of course the genre can't stay new forever. It, but at the same time, there's something about the novel that does feel never-endingly new because it just kind of keeps reshaping itself. And in terms of novel studies, the field, I feel like, you know, it's a field that's never going to lose its currency because it's, it's speaking to the genre of fiction that seems to speak maybe not the most people in poetry will get mad at me if I say it speaks to <laughs> most audiences, but it certainly speaks in a way that, um, that other genres really don't seem to do in the same way. So I think the novel will continue to shape culture and shape people's relationship to uh, the past and so forth, and so novel studies can do the same. Well, that's good news for studies in the novel and for the J2 yeah. Press. <laughs>
Yes, absolutely. I hope so. Th- well, thanks for joining me today, Nora. It's great to learn more about this. I, I did love your introduction to it, and I uh, wish you good luck and see what happens in the next 50 years. Sounds great. Thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you for listening to this Johns Hopkins University Press podcast. Please visit press.jhu.edu slash journals for more information.